Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everyone, to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures, as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road, and some newly produced, all here for your entertainment. Time walk, Holmes. How do you feel now? Haven't tired you, I hope. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm feeling much better at the exercise, Watson. I must admit I wasn't all that keen on coming down here for a week when you suggested it, but I can see that you were wise. I've got my appetite back. Well, there's our inn and a bunch of grapes down there in the valley. Gentle stroll back down there, and I admit I'll be ready for dinner also. After a, a game of darts, dominoes, or shove halfpenny in an early night. <sighs> yes, this is the life, Holmes. Country, where nothing ever happens. Present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, the runaway runner. Not all the cases I've had the pleasure of reporting for Sherlock Holmes have been born of murder and mayhem. There have been intriguing ones of international importance, and all have had criminal connections. But there are several that stay in my mind for a different reason. They were refreshingly amusing. Of course, we took them seriously at the time, but distance has lent them an old-fashioned enchantment. One such case is one I called the runaway runner. This was in the spring of 1887, when Holmes had been overworking, and I insisted that we got out of London for a week. We put up at a country pub in the village of Little Peatfield. The sitting was a delightful part of Kent. The bunch of grapes was a most comfortable inn, where the food was delectable and the landlord gregarious. Ah, there we are, gents. Steak and kidney and mushroom pie. Homegrown peas and potatoes baked in their jackets. Now that do you? It looks and smells quite splendid, landlord. Oh, call me Reg, Mr. Holmes. Not often we have famous guests like yourself and Dr. Watson have to do our best for you. That and a pint of bitter and you'll be sleeping like a baby tonight. Oh, we're both feeling considerably better for our few days here, Reg. Holmes is looking more of his old self. And as for me, 
Well, I must stop watching my weight. You know, you really feed us too well. Nothing like homegrown food. I'll be fetching you some cheese and coffee later on. You've been out uh, getting some exercise, have you? Good. Uh, very fine walking district. The scenery is quite beautiful. Um, but uh, speaking of exercise, I notice that you have a sort of cinder track along the back of the stables. What is that used for? Oh, might have known you'd spot that sooner or later. The fact is that the Hawks with Handicap is about to be held in these parts this weekend. Harriers, you know, local runners from all over Kent. I can tell you it doesn't half draw in the crowds on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Yeah, very good for business, eh, Rich? <laughs> oh, that it is. Since we've become such good friends, like, I don't mind passing you the tip. The Grapes has got his own man in the race. Lives right here, top floor back. Young Fred Forbes. Frisky Fred, some of the folks call him. Been in training since the beginning of the year. Of course, we have to keep it a bit uh, secret-like. Uh, why a secret, Reynolds? The odds, of course. But you mean people bet on these races? Oh, Lord bless you, of course. You'll be surprised the money that passes hands in the horse with handicap. I've got a pretty packet on our Fred, I can tell you. I know all the other entries, and Fred will leave them standing. But we aren't showing them off. There are spies from the Three Bells over in Great Weefield who try and catch him at practice. But we're on to that. Fred's got a trainer, John Delaney, an international man. Lots of sprinters in America. Knows what he's doing. Reckons he has our Fred in peak form. So you hope to make some money this weekend? Well, I don't see how we can miss. Look, Mr. Holmes, there's a fellow called Doug Dawson from Great Wheatfield who's running a book. He may be in here later on, in the bar. I think you can get about ten to one on our Fred. How about having a little flutter? Oh, Red, I'm not a betting man. Oh, come on, Holmes. We're having a few days off. I think it's a splendid idea. I'll, uh, I'll wager a guinea on him. If you're sure you'll pull it off, Red. Oh, easy. No trouble. But look, you'll meet him all and Fred himself in the bar parlor after you've finished your meal. So what about it? Oh, very well. I'll be guided by you and Watson. That's a ticket. Now I'll go and get you your tea. And so we looked forward to a light-hearted evening in the bar parlour. It was crowded with locals, and we were soon aware that the pale young man sitting at the bar nursing a mild and bitter was Fred Forbes, the man we were to bet on. He didn't look particularly impressive. In fact, he was decidedly miserable, and the locals were ribbing him about it. Oh, now, come on, Fred, pull yourself together. You gotta get things straight. First things first, she ain't important. She is to me. More gospel is everything to me. Fred, you should play smart. More than someone else's girl. You told yourself, didn't she? Yeah, I know, but that's what makes it worse. Who'd she turn you down for, Fred? Oh, she wouldn't say. Just said she loved another, and I don't know who. It doesn't matter who she is. The point is that you mustn't let this depress you. You got a big race on at the weekend. That's the important thing to concentrate on. Sitting there like a lovesick cow doesn't help at all. Think about your running, my boy. I haven't been training you all these months in order to have you go all sloppy. No, Johnny's right, Fred. You must throw off this depression and get on with your time. That's the truth. Nothing about us. Oh, we've been behind you all the time. Yeah, yeah, I know. But this hasn't anything to do with my running the race. But it has. I know, athletes. The mental attitude is of great importance. <laughs> Fancy this happening at a time like this. Mind you, it'd be even worse if Maud accepted you and began going out with you. You don't need a woman in your life at a time like this. You need all your strength in your legs. I'll be all right. Of course you will. Have another point, Fred, and forget it. That's right. Oh, here are my two star guests, Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Ah. Come on, me, the crowd. Have a drink in my house. Folks... One on the house for Fred and the big race. Oh, what you've never done that before. Yeah. Never done that. <laughs> it was a very merry evening. Under the hearty atmosphere, even Fred Forbes cheered up. The bookie from the other village failed to put in an appearance, however, and after Reg had called time, gentlemen, please, for at least 20 minutes, the bar closed and we went to bed. Holmes and I spent the next morning together, once again, walking the hills, and it seemed natural enough to join the locals in the bar at lunchtime. Everything to your liking, Rich? How's Fred this morning? Oh, seems a bit more cheerful. He's out with John Delaney, putting in a bit of midday practice on the cinder tracks, then a trot round the backfields. The odds on him at the moment are about uh, 12 to 1. Reckon Sammy Grimes to the three bells in Great Wheatfield is a favourite. Ah, oh, but he don't stand a chance. Get a 12 to 1 bet on, Mr. Rose. 
Doug Dawson's bound to be in tonight, seeing as how we missed last night. Oh, let me see him. Has he been back here? What are you talking about, John? What's the matter? He's Fred, he's, he's run out on us. He's just bolted. I looked everywhere. He's gone. No, no, just a minute. What do you mean, he's gone? You were out there taking him for a lunchtime practice. How can you have lost him? Don't make no sense at all. I went out with him. Down beyond the clinker run. We were just about to do the trot around the backfields when Fred... Well, he says he's feeling a bit chilly due to the wind picking up. Well, he was sweating a bit, and I, I thought maybe he'd be getting a chill, so I come back to get a jersey for him. Well, he left it on the back doors. But then when I went back to the lane where I left him, he wasn't there by the fence. I've been all over the village. No one's seen him. He must have decided to cut and run. I don't believe it. Fred wouldn't do a thing like that. He's here somewhere. Let's all go looking for him. That's a bloody good idea. Just, uh, just one moment. Just one moment. If I might be allowed a word. Hang on. If you all go tramping around the place, you could destroy any clues as to what has happened. I think that this should be gone about in a more scientific manner, don't you? Mr. Holmes is right. He's used to this sort of problem. Oh, what do you suggest? Oh, we've got to find him. If he's backed off and decided he won't run in the handicap, then I stand to lose a fortune. Mr. Holmes, do you think you can find him? Let us take one step at a time. There may be a perfectly simple explanation to all this. Now... I suggest you all go about your business keeping your eyes and ears open, but your mouths tightly closed. I take it that everyone in here wants Fred to run on Saturday. Well then, it is essential that his disappearance is not made known to the other runners or their sponsors. Otherwise, Fred could well find his name scratched from the race, isn't that so? And so you must remain quiet in the hope that he is found and able to take place in the event. Now, please let us disperse quite quietly. Say nothing of this. Make discreet inquiries, and if you find out anything, report back to Reg here. Otherwise, go about your work and try to appear unconcerned. Now, will you do that? Good. And come, Watson, we have work to do. Holmes, do you think there's anything in this? I mean, surely it's hardly worth all this fuss. Fred Forbes must turn up very soon. Something can't have happened to him. Not at midday in the heart of the Kentish countryside. One never knows, Watson. Our good landlord is right when he says that quite a lot of money is invested by the local people in this uh, young man. He must have an active opposition who stand to gain from his disappearance. You, you mean he may have been hobbled by someone with loyalty to another runner? Ah, ah, I, I cannot believe there's been foul play. An abduction? Mm, yes, something like that. Ah, look. This is the end of the cinder track. And see, here in the earth is the impression of footprints. Spikes. Fred was wearing spiked running shoes. Now, one doesn't go for a casual walk around the lanes in those sort of shoes. Now, here's the fence where John Delaney left him, and the spiked footprints continue along here until... Oh, wait, wait. One moment. What, what have we here? Well, it's a, a scrap of material. It's more than that. It's a handkerchief, a woman's handkerchief. And the initials upon it read M.G. M.G.? Maud Gosport. The, the girl yes. Fred's so in love with. Yes, very likely, Watson, very likely. Yes, I think we must take this as evidence, but even more important is that over here, look at this. Ah, clear signs of a struggle here on the grass on the other side of the gate, and and, and here a, a few drops of blood. I'm afraid, Watson, there has been some form of foul play after all. I was appalled at the idea that there could have been any kind of violence used in the disappearance of Fred Forbes. It seemed so unnecessary. After all, it, it was just a simple village race, and the stakes couldn't have been that high. It simply wasn't worth it. But, as Holmes had said on many an occasion, people do strange things for the smallest of motives. And having got this far, we had to follow up on the clues we had obtained. Holmes insisted that the trail must lead us to Great Wheatfield and to the Three Bells Inn. This, we knew, was the headquarters of the rival Harriers, it was some miles across the fields, and we were sorely in need of refreshment when we arrived. We were in luck, because it was clear that serving behind the bar was the girl we wished to question. All right, all right. What will you have, Jane? A few draft beers, please. Thank you. All righty ho. You're new round here, aren't you? Oh, just a few days walking in the district, staying over at the bunch of grapes in the other village. Oh. How are you? They tell me there'll be excitement at the weekend when the uh, Hawksworth Handicap takes place. The local folk are actually placing bets, I believe. That's right. Anyone you fancy? Oh, we got our fellow here. Sammy Grimes. He's a favourite. What about Fred Forbes? Frisky Forbes, they call him at our inn. Do you fancy his chances? Who? Oh, uh, 
Oh, oh, oh I, I ain't never even heard of him. Can't help you. Don't take much notice in these things. It's not sophisticated enough for a girl like me, you understand? Oh, there you are. Now, here we are. Now, keep the change. Oh, so very much. Oh, here's Doug Dawson. If you want to know more about that stupid race, you better ask him. Good afternoon, gents. <laughs> Did I hear you showing an interest in the Walksworth handicap? That's right. My friend and I are staying in the other village. Uh, the grapes, are you? <laughs> well, now you should know all about the race, then. Uh, they've got an outsider of their own. Mm, yes, that's right. I was just talking to your barmaid about him, Fred Forbes. Eh, don't stand a chance. On our books, he's out to 15 to 1. Really? Mm. You know, I uh, wouldn't mind a mild flutter myself. Eh? <laughs> well, uh, I'm the bookie. I'll take your bets. Doug Dawson's my name, and I'd be happy to accommodate you, my friend. I think I'll take a couple of guineas on Fred Forbes. Oh. What about you, Watson? Oh, and make mine a fiver. Oh, <laughs> mighty interesting. Uh, it's a pity to take your money, but I will. Uh, I'll just get my book and write out your bets. Uh, it's been very nice meeting you, gentlemen. <laughs> and I doubt if we'll be meeting again, because you certainly won't be coming over here to collect your winnings. <laughs> now, uh, uh, let me give you your receipt and your slips. Uh, uh, get my betting book, will you please, Maldy? After we left the Three Bells, Holmes insisted that we walk the long way back to Little Wheatfield. This meant going by what was known as the Lower End. It was obviously the poorer part of the village. Holmes showed an active interest in all the buildings, and particularly in a row of cottages on the road that led to the open countryside. Yes. Most interesting, Watson. Look, mm -hmm. over there, that row of houses. Two shops on either end, and three houses in the middle. Yes. Each house bears the sign for sale or rent. Yes, 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 that's so, but well, what's so unusual about it? The name of the agent, Watson, D. Dawson. Our bookmaker friend is also a dealer in property. That's very interesting. Yes, shall we walk around the back of those houses? It'll not be more than a few minutes out of our way. It's a pity we can't obtain an order to view. Well, I suppose we can if you're interested, but why? Now, reason it out, Watson. Maud Gosport is clearly feeling very guilty because she even denied knowing Fred Forbes. And it's the talk of the whole district that she's rejected his amorous advances for another. She must know far more than she's saying. And she's a great friend of Doug Dawson, who's running a book on the race and is sponsoring the favourite, Sammy Grimes. Her handkerchief is found near what is most likely the scene of Fred's abduction. Now, if you kidnapped a healthy young man and wished to keep him a prisoner for over 24 hours, where would you choose to hide him? Holmes, you... You don't mean in, in one of these houses? Do you think of a better place? And my guess would be this one, Watson, the middle one. And why? Because even if he was able to cry for help, the houses on either side empty. I should think ideal. Now, here we are, the back gates of the garden. Yes. Now, the gate is open. And the way the grass is laid flat on the other side, it's quite clear that it's been used recently. Now, why? Anyone wishing to enter the house would surely get a key and go in the front. Yes, I think we're decidedly on the right track. If you're right, if Freddy is trapped in that place, what are we to do? Break in? Not at the moment, Watson. That doesn't suit our plans at all, no. No, we go back to the bunch of grapes and hold a council of war with our worthy landlord, Reg. We shall need his cooperation if the tables are to be turned in a satisfactory way. Yes, come on, Watson, let's step it out. Just a minute, Mr. Holmes, just a minute. You mean to tell me that you found Fred? I cannot be sure, but I think so, yes. And that, that fat swine Dawson is behind it all. That he has spirited Fred away and holding him against his will. Well, again, I cannot be sure, but I think so. Now, certainly the girl Maud Gosport is implicated. The little lassie. Where do I get my hands on those two? No, 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 Reg. That's quite the wrong approach. If we're to get Fred back and defeat these people, we must be very subtle about it. Now, to start with, have you got anything like a closed carriage, a pony and trap, horse and cart, with, that Watson and I can borrow this evening? Oh, there's an old Landor carriage out in the stables. You can put both hoods up. Old Bessie, the mare, she'll pull it for you, all right. Done it many a time. That sounds ideal. Good. Watson will be able to drive it, I'm sure. Yes, yes, I can tackle that. Right. Now, Reg, you must stay here and wait. Watson and I will go out with the horse and carriage once it's getting dusk. We shall not be back until after dark. But when we return, we hope to have Fred with us. Now... It's most important that no one knows of this. You must not discuss this with anyone. Not with your wife or with Fred's trainer, John Delaney. With no one. You understand? 
bridge helped us harness the old mare up to the rather dilapidated landau, and at dusk I drove it by the back lanes into the lower end. It was easily tethered in the lane at the back of the empty houses, and Holmes and I slipped through the creaking gate and into the back garden of the middle house. Look, Watson. The window on the first floor. There's a faint chink of light showing from the corner of the blind. That means we're right. There must be someone in that room, and it's simply got to be Fred. Well, Holmes, what do we do? How do we get at it? Well, my guess is he won't be alone. There'll be someone in there guarding him, seeing as he doesn't get away. Are you ready for a little rough action, Watson? I still have the writing crop, Holmes. I think a straight left might be more effective. Stand back. I have a, I have a large rock from that wall. I'm going to toss it through the ground floor window. If that doesn't bring him out, nothing will. Hold on. Here it goes. What the devil? Who did this? Who's there? Now get him, Watson. Get him. Right. Good man. You grasped him with a lovely right hook. Here, help me get him inside. He's out cold. Come on. I think we can leave him here for a bit. Let's get up to Fred. Fred? Fred, are you all right? Fred? No, no, no. Let me help. He's, he's all right. He's, he's just, just gagged. And his hand is fine. He's dead. Better? Oh, uh, uh, thanks. Thank you, Dr. Watson. I will soon get you out of here. Are you sure you're not harmed in any way? No, no, no. I'm all right. I don't know what all this means. The fellow who was guarding me, Pete Eats, he wouldn't say. Just, just gag me when I wouldn't stop talking. He's a bullying oaf. Where is he? Watson, not in cold. Don't bother about him. We're going to give him a taste of his own medicine. Bring him up here and leave him trussed and gagged like you've been. With a bit of luck, no one will find him until after the race tomorrow. Now, come on, Fred. Let's get you out of here. That's it. And then, Watson, we will attend to the man, Pete Higgs. Are you ready? We got Fred down onto the landau and put the hoods up. Then we made sure that Pete Higgs was securely tied on the bed we'd taken Fred from. And after that, it was easy to urge the mare to trot back to the bunch of grapes where Reg was more than delighted to welcome us. You did it! You did it! Oh, Fred, my boy, what an adventure. You sure you're all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, Reg. Give me a full meal and a night's sleep and I'll be as good as new. But I still don't know how it all happened. Well, you'd better be prepared for a nasty shock. You see, the man behind it all is your own trainer, John Delaney. What? Of course. He arranged it all. I'm suspicious from the moment he said he left you to come back here for a jersey. Now, what trainer would leave a sweating man out there in the cold? Then I did some more checking up. Delaney is the man Maud Gosport preferred to you, Fred. What? Uh, I'm afraid it's true. She was swept off her feet by him. Even to the extent of joining in the plan. She wrote you a note asking you to meet her at the end of the cinder track, didn't she? Then, when Delaney left you, she lured you into the lane where Pete Higgs and Dawson started on you. You put up a fight and drew blood with your spikes, but they abducted you. Well, we managed to beat them. Uh, and now the thing is, can you beat the rest of them tomorrow afternoon? You'll have to run the race of your life, Fred. It was quite remarkable that somehow... The news was kept a secret in the district until the runners were announced for the big race the following afternoon. There was a gasp of surprise when Fred Forbes appeared, looking smart and fresh for the event. A large crowd, including Holmes and me, gathered at the start. On your minds! Yes, sir! Oh! There was never any doubt about it. Fred Forbes took off like a flash of lightning and headed the field all the way. He won by a clear six paces from the next man. The jubilation in the bunch of grapes that evening knew no bounds. Well, well, Watson, the most satisfactory end to our short holiday. Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it, woman? George, uh, I'm ill. I, I've got to get medicine. Oh, go and get it. <laughs> can't, can't you help me, George? Oh, you'll be all right, though. Go get it. Uh, oh, it's downstairs. And I, oh, I, I can't. Shut up. Oh, all right, George. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> I, I didn't think it would ever be as, as bad as this. What an end. But it is the end. Do we have to pay an even greater price? I wonder. Well, we shall see. How? We present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, the greater price. In the year 1885, I was still in practice at Paddington. I was living at Baker Street and slowly building up a reputation as a general practitioner. Holmes had already achieved some quite considerable fame and our friendship was already settling down to a solid partnership. I was growing used to his untidiness and eccentricities and he was tolerating my steady respectability. I never interfered with his work and he was frankly not interested in mine. But there was this one case where our interests seemed to overlap. It started when I was called out to the home of George and Emma Baker. Emma was an old patient of mine, and she'd had a nasty fall down a flight of stairs. Now, Emma, there's nothing broken, thank goodness, but you're getting a little too old to take these falls. You must rest in bed until I tell you to get up and take a little exercise. You're very badly bruised. I'm all right. It was silly of me, really. I I should have made sure the gas was on on the landing. I I must have tripped over the rug. Well, you shouldn't have been out of bed anyway. Well, I had to get me medicine. You should have insisted that your husband get it for you. Oh, that lot of good it does to ask him for help. Oh, dear, Dr. Watson, things have reached a desperate state. You mustn't give in. As I say, you've been very lucky. I'll have a word with George and tell him he must take better care of you. He won't do any good. He'll be home here soon, wanting his supper. Well, he'll have to get it himself. I'm sure you've got plenty of food in the larder. Get him to boil some eggs or make some soup. (laughs) He'll be off down the road to the Rosen Crown. Spends more time and money in that place than he does in his own home. Emma? Emma, you all right? The doctor's here. Oh, I'll... uh... Go down to me, Now, stay here. Get some rest. Now, there's some liniment to rub on your bruises and some pills for the pain. You'll be as right as rain as long as you take it quietly. There. That's everything. I'll call in again in a couple of days' time. Just rest most of the time. Good day to you. Goodbye, Dr. Watson. And thank you.
Well, hello, Doc. How's the old girl? Oh, severely shaken. You really must take more care of her. She works too hard and she isn't a very strong woman. She's been lucky on this occasion, but she's got to take care. And it's up to you. Ah, uh, you know what she's like. She'll be up and about in no time. She moans a bit, but uh, she always comes through. Trouble is, the money's running out a bit. They're laying off men down at the plant. Things aren't as rosy as they were. Well, you'll just have to be as thrifty as possible. I'll call back in a couple of days' time. But please, do look after her. And I mean it. We doctors can't work miracles, you know. Good night to you, George. I had very little time for George Baker. I knew his wife was hard-working and thrifty, but George was something of a spendthrift, throwing money away on horse racing and hard drinking. But there was little I could do but offer advice. I kept my promise and called at their home two days later. Emma was up doing the weekly wash and cooking a stew. The air was fetid with the smell of drying sheets and boiled cabbage. Well, Anna, as you see me, not so bad, not so good. Now, I've warned you before, Emma. You're overtaxing your strength. Oh, it's got to be done. Couldn't go on being ill. Not when we've got a visitor coming to stay. Sort of vague cousin from Australia. It was such a nice letter he's written. Just arrived in this country. First time he's been here and he don't know anyone. George has gone down to the station to meet him. Oh, must get this all cleared up before they arrive. Oh, dear. Oh, that sounds like the... Oh, dear, dear. All behind hand. Now, sure you won't stay for a cup of tea, Doctor. The kettle is on. No, 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 no. Thank you. You already have come here. Come in, come in, Sully. Meet the wife. Emma, this is uh, Roy Thornton. Roy, this is the missus. Oh, and uh, Dr. Watson, the family doctor, you know. Well, well, our Iris is youngest, all the way from Australia. How do you do, Mrs. Baker? Very good of you to make me so welcome. Oh, it's great pleasure. Uh, I hope you'll be comfortable here. Uh, we're only working class, you know, rough and ready. But, but you, you can treat the place like home for as long as you like. Oh, thank you. It's very good of you. Well, uh, look, the missus obviously isn't ready for us at the moment. Why don't you dump all your cases in the spare room and let's stroll down to the Rose and Ground for a pint? Mm. Might as well introduce you to the English pubs. One of the prides of the country. No good... Uh, Asking you to join us, is it, Dr. Watson? Uh, I'm afraid not. I must get about my rounds. Good day to you, Mr. Thornton. Bye, Emma. Don't forget my advice. Bye-bye for now. Roy Thornton appeared to be a well-set-up young man of obvious education and a wealthy background. I couldn't see him fitting in very well to George Baker's scheme of things, but the matter was no concern of mine. I'd put it from my mind. But subsequent events proved me to be right. Well, now, Roy, think you're going to like it in England? <laughs> Hard to say. I want to move about a bit first. Travel, see something of the countryside. Visit places I've read about and never seen. Not thinking of getting a job at all? Uh, no, that'll come later. There's no immediate urgency. Comfortably all for you. Plenty of the old ready cash. I'm reasonably well off. I have enough to last. The inheritance I came into has a reasonable backing. I have shares, some jewellery. I'll be all right. Oh, you are a lucky boy. And no dependents over here. I don't know a soul. And that's just the way I want it to be. Well, of course. The wife and I are simply poor Londoners. You'll have to take us as you find us. Of course, it's all a question of give and take. We must try and help each other, mustn't we? Well, how about another pint? Then we'll toddle off home. Hmm. Must show you the place. Got a nice bit of garden out the back. Of course, you'll be used to wide open spaces. <laughs> but you might be interested in what we're doing to it anyway. Cheers, and great having you among us. I didn't call on the bakers for some time. In fact, it must have been over a month before I called again. The young man, Roy Thornton, had packed his bags and gone travelling. I can't say I was surprised. The best news was the improvement of Emma Baker. She was in far better health and looked neat and cheerful. She attributed this to a rise George had had in salary. She seemed quite a new woman. Oh, yes, I'm so much better, Doctor. Just makes all that difference a bit more in the wage packet. And really, 
George has been so much better about things. You should see what he's done out there in the garden. Look, and you shed is just erected. Going to have me own pot plants, geraniums and such like. And a bit of a lawn plan too. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad to see this improvement, Emma. Quite like old times, seeing the sparkle back in your eyes again. Oh, yeah, I'm all right now. No troubles at all. Now, you will stay and have a cup of tea this afternoon, won't you? Of course, I discussed none of this with Sherlock Holmes. The progress of a working-class Paddington family was of no interest to him whatsoever. But it was then that the hand of coincidence began to move. I'd returned to our rooms after a rather tiring day to find Holmes deep in conversation with a young man named Arthur Hughes. I'm sorry to bother you like this, Mr. Holmes. I know you must be a very busy man. My small troubles are probably beneath you. No, not at all. I'm always willing to listen to people with a problem. Uh, please do sit down and feel free to smoke. Watson and I find the relaxation of a pipe ideal at this time of the yes, day. Most agreeable. Uh, take a light from the fire. Oh, thank you. Well, I I arrived in this country only a few weeks ago. Met a fellow on the ship coming over. We sort of chummed up and agreed to meet and travel up to Scotland together. We'd neither of us been here before, and to have a friend to travel with is quite an adventure. Well, this fellow, uh, Roy Thornton is his name, has disappeared. Uh, excuse me, but uh, did you say Roy Thornton? Yes, that's right. Why? Uh, uh, nothing, nothing. Carry on. Well, I left a forwarding address with Roy, and he said he'd get in touch. He was planning to stay with some distant relatives in some part of the city. Well, he just hasn't written, and I know there is uncollected mail from Australia waiting for him at his bank. It's all rather puzzling. I'm sure something must have happened to him. I've tried advertising in the agony columns of the press, but without success. And I wondered if you could give me any advice. Well, there doesn't seem to be very much data. I know, but that's what's so bewildering. I don't like to butt in, but I think I can help you here. It really is the most amazing coincidence, but I think I've met this young Australian fellow. I have a patient, a Mrs. Emma Baker, who lives not far from here in Paddington. She had a young man named Roy Thornton living with her for a while. He was a vague relation. He sounds very much like the same man. The facts dovetail in far too easily to ignore, Watson. Uh, what has happened to the young man? Well, Emma Baker says he's gone off travelling. I don't know whether he's kept in touch with the bakers. I could easily inquire. Well, that's very decent of you, Doctor. I'd appreciate that. Frankly, I'm quite concerned. Roy's not the type of young man to let people down. Oh, uh, why don't you join me in a visit to the baker's home tomorrow morning? If you care to come here at 9.30, I can make it the first call of the day. Ah, thank you. I think that's a very good plan. And perhaps an even better plan would be for me to accompany you two gentlemen. I have been known to pick up a few clues where others have failed. At 9.30, did you say, Watson? Then 9.30 it is. And now, a glass of brandy all round to round off the evening, don't you think? Actor Plus. The following morning dawned windy and raining. It was not the sort of morning to pay social calls in Paddington, but Arthur Hughes had turned up on time, and Holmes was quite ready. We took a four-wheeler and found Emma Baker alone in her back parlour. Well, this is a surprise. Didn't expect you on a morning like this, Dr Watson. Mr Sherlock Holmes, too. This is an honour, I must say. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we are here because this young man, Mr Hughes, is anxious to get in touch with Roy Thornton, who stayed here with you for a little while, I understand. Yes, that's right. Just a few weeks. Nice lad. Come over from Australia. But, but he decided to move on. Can't blame him. <laughs> we weren't his class, if you know what I mean. George said he was stuck up, but I don't think so. He was just used to something a bit better than this. I see. Have you heard from him since he left? No. Strange. I thought he might write, but we, we haven't heard a thing. <laughs> easy come, easy go. <laughs> Didn't he leave a forwarding address? Uh, no. Now, George saw him off at the station, and he said he would write, but as he was going to be travelling around all the time, well, we couldn't get in touch with him. Oh, I suppose we'll hear some time. <laughs> oh, I can't understand it. We had a definite plan to travel together. Oh, well, I suppose there's nothing we can do. 
Did he take all of his things with him? Oh, yes. Well, that is, I, I think there were a couple of cases he said he didn't want. Uh, George put them in the shed. I wonder if it might be possible to take a look at those cases, Mrs Baker. There might be a clue left hanging around. Well, I suppose there can't be any harm in it. Oh, better put your capes on. It's a wet old morning and no mistake. Well, there's no sense in your getting yourself wet. Uh, just show us the way. Oh, well, all right. Uh, uh, it's through here. The back door is unlocked. Uh, and the key of the shed hanging up over the door. Mind you, you'll be getting really wet if you don't watch out. Now, here we are. There it is. Down the path. Right, come on, Watson. Hughes, let's make a dash for it. <coughs> here we are. Most interesting. Quite a recent building, I take it. Yes, pride of Emma Baker's life. She's going in for pot plants. Yes, which, meantime, we need those suitcases. They're on the shelf, I think. Yes, yes, that's one. I'm sure I recognise it. Yes, it's quite a good pigskin bag. I, I would have thought this far too good to leave behind. Now, let's see. Uh, uh, empty. Oh, very, very strange. A man leaves a house without a forwarding address doesn't write and leaves a valuable case behind. Ah, now what have we here? It looks like a stain. Yes, or an attempt to remove a stain. Yes, I'm afraid the mystery deepens, gentlemen. It's fairly clear that the man to question is one George Baker. Yes, well, it's not yet mid-morning, but I should judge that Mr. Baker will take advantage of this inclement weather to wet his whistle in the bar of the local pub. Yes, I think we must take our leave of Emma Baker and drop in there, don't you? Yes, gentlemen. What will it be? Uh, just a pint of ale, I think, Barman. Uh, same for me. And me. Three ales. Right you are, gentlemen. Holmes? Holmes, you're right. There in the corner of the bar. That's George Baker. And he looks as though he's been putting away quite a lot of scotch. That's odd. For a man who's just been given a handsome rise at work, he should be drinking at this time of the day. Mm, quite. Ah, uh, he's uh, seen me. Well, we'd better go over. I'll introduce you. And then you can question him however you choose. Come on. Hello, George. Why, Dr. Watson? What are you doing here this time of the day? Just been visiting your wife. Oh, and uh, this is Sherlock Holmes. This is Mr. Arthur Hughes. Arthur is a great friend of Roy Thornton's. Came up this way to see if there's any trace of him. Been down to the house, have you? Not a medical visit this time. Snooping around. That it, Mr. Holmes? I've heard of you, nosy Parker. What are you after this time? The answer to that is the whereabouts of Roy Thornton. He seems to have disappeared. Oh, who says so? He's a free man with a lot of money. Able to move about all over the world if he wants to. Wife and I weren't good enough for him. So he packed up and left. Simple as that. It's on the uh, 12th of September. About 8.30 in the evening at Paddington Station. Had he much luggage with him? As he wasn't in a, planning to come back, I think he had all of it. All except a couple of suitcases you placed carefully away in your new shed. Isn't that so? Now, look here. What is this cross-questioning? I tell you, the fellow's gone. Cleared out. We don't know where he is, and that's a fact. So keep your nose out of my affairs. That clear enough, Mrs. Sherlock Blooming Holmes? It was clear that Holmes suspected some kind of foul play. What exactly he decided to do about it was a mystery. But he wasn't going to leave things alone. He spent the remainder of that rainy day closeted in a public surveys office at the Paddington Town Hall. And the next morning, Mrs. Baker once again had a visitor. Uh, good morning, madam. My name is Channing from the survey department. Uh, we're doing a survey on new road planning. Uh, this area has been chosen for examination. If the proposed plans are approved, it could be that part of your land will be requisitioned for development. All right. I don't think I understand. My husband and I own this place. 
You mean you could throw us out? Oh, it wouldn't be as drastic as all that. Uh, uh, more than adequate compensation would be made. Uh, uh, you would be a very wealthy woman. Oh, well, I don't know about this. This is our own. We like living here. Well, I must explain that this is purely in the exploratory stages. Uh, no plans have been finalised. Uh, but progress must go ahead, you know. Uh, better roads, lighting, sewerage, all have to be considered. But I, I thought that was all going to happen on the outskirts. I mean, this is old established area. Um, just how much would be affected? Oh, it is impossible to judge at this stage. The whole back garden would probably have to go. Oh, well, our back garden? Oh, just when we got it looking so nice. Well, as I have said, this is purely an investigation. We thought that you should be told of our work. Uh, might I suggest that you talk it over with your husband? Uh, reassure him that everything will be taken care of. He will not be out of pocket in any way. Oh, that's as may be, but he's not going to like it, I can tell you that. Oh, just so we're getting everything right. It's not one thing, it's another. Now, we shall want to know more about this in full detail. Understand that, everything, in full detail. <laughs> You're certainly taking a great interest in the disappearance of Roy Thornton Holmes. What's this all about? Patience, Watson. We're going back to the Baker house. And this time, we're not subjecting that poor woman to further harassment. We're simply going to break into her back garden. Well, Holmes, is such a thing justified? I firmly believe so. Ah, now here, I think, is the entrance to the road. Uh, pull over by that gas mantle, Cabby. Oh, very good, sir. Uh, here we are. Thank you, Cabby. Oh, thank, thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. Oh, not to you. Come on, boss. Come on. Now, there's a backyard gate in the fence. It should present no problem. I noticed it last time we were here. Just a bolt on the inside, which is easy for a tall man to reach over and unclasp. It should provide us with no trouble. Well, Holmes, what's the purpose of all this? What do you intend to do? Listen, Watson. Just listen. I think our friend George Baker will be in a high old temper... When he hears what his wife has got to tell him. Come on, this way. It isn't possible. It can't be true. You, 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 you can't mean it. George, I'm only telling you what the man told me. But they can't do this to us. You can't go around knocking down people's houses and building roads through their lands. Oh, he said it was just an idea. The authorities were going into it. And if it all come to pass, then we should be adequately compensated. We'd be rich people. Uh, they'd buy the house and we'd be able to move into a smaller place somewhere out of town. I tell you, I don't want to move. I can't move. Well, it's all just in the planning stages. I insisted that we'd be given adequate time and told the fullest details. I don't want to hear any details. Should have told the man that we weren't interested and sent him about his business. But this was his business. He's from the public surveys office. I don't believe it. Have you discussed it with the neighbours? Oh, not yet, but I suppose they'll be given the same opportunities <clears throat> as we are. But I really don't feel as badly about it as I did. And I've had time to think. Well, it, it might not be a bad move. Bad move? You must be out of your mind. Oh, I don't know. It is a big place for the two of us. And, and all those stairs, I've already had one bad fall. A little bungalow out in the country. Chipperfield way. I've always liked Chipperfield. Oh, come on, we'll talk about it later. Can come and have some tea. I don't want no tea. I don't want anything but to stop this business going through. We've got to stop it. We can't ever leave this house. Get that through your head once and for all. But, dear, if we have to... We don't ever have to. It's impossible. We can't. We, we mustn't. Can't I make you see that? It'll be the end of me if they take over this place. Once they start pulling the place about, digging up the garden, it, it'll be the end of me. George, <laughs> George, what are you talking about? The shed. I'm talking about the flaming shed. Once they take that down... Well, what is this about the shed, George? I'm... I've always thought it was funny you suddenly put it up like that. What's so precious about an old wooden shed? You can always get another. Don't you understand, woman? He's out there. Young Roy Thornton. We had a quarter of the night he was due to leave. I asked him to lend me some money. He refused. I lost my temper and ate him. I, I didn't mean to kill him. He hit his head on the side of the fireplace when he went down. George, You've taken your medicine and gone to bed. I don't know what to do. I 
took him out in the shed and buried him in the earth. The next day, I, I started to cement it over. He, he's out there, lying under a layer of cement. What can I do, Emma? What can I do? You, you must go to the police. Confess everything. It, it's the only way. Oh, what an end. I wondered if we'd ever have to pay an even greater price for happiness. Well, now I know. Sherlock Holmes and I overheard everything. When George Baker realised they'd been witnesses to his confession, he broke down completely. He took his wife's advice and gave himself up. As Holmes said later... A sad case, Watson. I've no doubt that when he comes to trial, they will take into consideration that it was an accident. A post-mortem will show that, but, oh dear, what a pathetic chain of events. Of course, Baker might have got away with it if they had continued to live in that house. That's why I had to arrange the fake meeting of the surveyor. I was aware from the moment I entered the shed in the garden that something was wrong. The cement so uneven. The pile of earth outside the window. The suitcases. As I say... A pathetic case. Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.